Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. Let's join in for this week's message. Well, it's that time of year again. Can you believe it? Some of you last week, you started school. Some of you are starting tomorrow. And man, it's that time of year. And here's the deal. Whether you like it or you don't like it, it's here, right? And man, this time of year actually provides a great opportunity for us as as the church. Because here's the thing is that when people are going back to school, you know what happens a lot of times? People go back to church too. Because people are thinking, man, I hadn't been in church all summer. Some people are thinking, I hadn't been in church in years. And as it gets time to get back to school. You start thinking about getting life back in order. And here's what happens. It provides for us one of our best opportunities of the year to reach people who are away from God or people who are away from church that need to be back in. And how many of you know someone like that, that should be in church and they're not? Come on. Most of us do. We have friends and family, people like that. And so here's what we want to do. We've been doing this the last several weeks. It just kind of lets you know where we're going as a church because we want to partner together with you to reach your friends and neighbors and the people that you know and love. And so I'm just going to tell you a couple of things. I mean, every Sunday is a good Sunday to invite someone to church, but there's a few that really are even better ones to help to invite someone to church. And so a couple of things that are happening in two weeks from today, we have one of my favorite things of the year, our Fam Jam service. And the Fam Jam service is family-style service. Basically, the whole next generation takes over and leads the service. And if you, man, I'm telling you, you want to be here for that and invite some to that then on that Sunday night as we kind of like say goodbye to summer. We've rented out, not really rented out, but we got tickets for you for Pirate's Cove at half price, $10. You can pick those up and do that with us on that. And then the next Sunday on September the 3rd, we are actually as a church celebrating our 11th anniversary. Come on, that's pretty cool, right? 11 years as a church, and I'm telling you, we're going to be having baptisms on that day, so what a great opportunity for you to invite people. If you're not baptized and you'd like to be, you can sign up in your app to do that. And then, right after that, we will be kicking off the series I've been telling you about, the series called Why. And in this series, I tell you, what, what this series is all about is this to answer those questions that maybe you have about God, but even more than that, some of the questions that maybe some of your friends and family members have about God, questions that maybe they thinking about as they're exploring whether they want to have a relationship with God. Things like, you know, why did I pray and God didn't answer my prayer, but he answered somebody else's? Or why do some people feel God and I don't feel them? Or why do bad things happen even though I'm a good person? And, and why am I even here on this planet? And we've designed this series for this purpose so that you can have one that's an easy one to invite your friends and neighbors and family members to. And so we're giving you a heads up so that you can know, you can think about who are these people that I want to invite and I can be praying for them and invite them to one of these things, the fam jam, to the anniversary service, to the Y series. And together, here's what we're going to do. We're going to see God change some lives in our changing culture with the unchanging truth of the word of God. How many know that's what we're all about, right? So today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to jump into this series we've been doing. It's called Better. So everybody look at your neighbor and say, every one of these sermons just gets better and better and better and better. 
And here's what we've been doing. We've been looking at the book of Ecclesiastes. It's in the Old Testament. It's written by a guy named Solomon, a guy who was the king, a guy who had all of this stuff. And yet Solomon looked at his life and he said, there's got to be a better way. And at the end of his life, I mean, at the end of Ecclesiastes, we really kind of come to this one main thought, this one key point that's really kind of been the driving force of this whole series. It's our main thought uh, for the series and for today, and that is this, that God's ways are better. So why don't you say that with me today? God's ways are better. Say it aloud, not a soft. God's ways are better better. God's ways, God's ways are, are better. And this is what we've been learning in this series as we've just been kind of pulling out a few verses from the book of Ecclesiastes. We've picked four and each one of these have the word better in them and we've studied them together. Today we're going to be studying a verse found in Ecclesiastes chapter four. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and open them up to Ecclesiastes chapter four, get your LifeGate app ready, your phone ready, whatever you can follow along on the screen. And while you're getting there, let me just let me just set this whole thing up by talking about a philosophy that really is kind of, I mean, it's really the philosophy behind pretty much everything everybody believes in America and in our culture today. Some of you might recognize it. Some of you might even live by this philosophy. It goes kind of like this. If one is good, then two is what? <laughs> two is, is better, right? In fact, so many of us, we kind of live this way. We think, man, if, you know, if one sport is good, then playing two sports, man, that would be that'd be better. If one dollar is good, then of course having two dollars would definitely definitely be better. If one car is good, then if I could have what? If I could have two cars, it would be, come on, right? Better. One wife is good, two is definitely not better. Not better. <laughs> It's, it's definitely, let's don't even go there. In fact, it kind of reminds me of Solomon, actually, that we're studying in the book of Ecclesiastes. We know that Solomon had all these riches, and he had, you know, he had this palace, and he had all of this stuff. But we also know that Solomon actually had lots of wives, like hundreds of wives, actually. And so one time in Bible college, uh, the professor was talking about uh, Solomon, talking about all the wives that he had. And one of the students, you know, raised his hand and said, why did Solomon have so many wives? And the professor like thought real quick and said, well, it was probably so that when he got home, there would be at least one in a good mood. <laughs> Maybe it would have been better if I didn't tell that joke. I don't know. But here's the deal. Isn't this kind of the philosophy a lot of people live by? Like if I have one, that's good. But if I could have more, it would be better. If I could have two, it would be better. In fact, it's a philosophy that so many, that so many in America and in this world live by. And it's not just something that's a new thing that kind of has come up in, in the past few years. It's actually something that started way back at the beginning of time. In fact, if we look back to Genesis, I told you a story last week of how God created the heavens and he created the earth and the stars and the sky and he said, it is good and he created the land and the sea and he said, it is good and he created the, the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the animals on the ground and he said, it is good. You remember he said, he, he created man, he said, it is very good, but then suddenly he says, something's not good and what was not good, that, that man should not be alone and so he said, I got, a, I got a solution. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna create a help 
helpmate for him. And so the Bible says that he took Adam and he put Adam into a deep sleep. And as he was in a deep sleep, he took a rib out of Adam and he took that rib and he used it to form to form a woman and he breathed life into her. And then he woke Adam up and there, there, there Eve stood with no clothes on and Adam said, whoa, man, you know. And that's how she got her name, woman. I don't know if you knew that, that, that deep theological truth there, but you learned something today, right? And there she stood. And then, then what happened? God said, of all the things, I've put you in this perfect garden. And here you are in the garden. And all of these trees and everything that is here is available to you. You can have any of it that you want except this one thing. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But we know what happened. The enemy comes along in the form of a servant. And what does he say? He says, did God really say that? I don't think that's really what God meant. And really, he begins the form of this, of this myth. I call it the myth of more. It's this, it's this myth that, that basically he says, you can have everything in this garden, but the one thing that you can't have is the one thing that will make you happy. And isn't that how so many of us live our lives? That we have all of these things available to us and yet somehow in our minds we think that the thing that's going to satisfy me, the thing that's going to fulfill me, the thing that's going to be happy is somehow the thing that I don't already have. And we live our lives striving for more, thinking if I could get more, if I could get that thing that I don't have, then that would be the thing that's truly going to fulfill me and satisfy me deep down inside. And I'm telling you, it's a convincing myth. In fact, it's so convincing that it tricks us, but it doesn't just trick us. It even tricked the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon. He believed this. He thought, if I could get, if I could get a bigger kingdom, if I could build a bigger palace, if I could have more gold and more silver, if I could have more servants, if I could have more wives, if I could have more of this stuff, then somehow I would be satisfied. And this is the struggle that he has throughout the book of Ecclesiastes to the point where he finally comes to the place where he says, I got all this stuff, but it's not doing it for me. In fact, he comes to a realization that I believe God would want many of us to realize today And that is this, that more doesn't make you happy. It just makes you want more. Isn't it true? In fact, this is what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 10. He says, whoever loves money does what? Never has enough. And whoever loves wealth is never what? Is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. And so many of us, this is the way we live our life. We think if I, could, if I could do more, if I could have more, if I got one, if I could have two, then that would be better. But we get two, and it's not necessarily better. It just makes us want three and four and five. More doesn't make you happy. It just makes you want more. In fact, there was a survey that was done just recently where they, they surveyed those who made under $25,000 a year. And they asked them, they said, how much money would you need to make in a year in order for you to be satisfied and happy? And those that made $25,000 a year said, in order for us to be happy, we would need to make $45,000 a year. So they surveyed those that made $45,000 a year and said, how much would you need in order to be happy? And they said, what we would need is we would need to make $95,000 a year. And they asked those that made $95,000 a year, how much would you need to be satisfied and happy? And they said, we would need to make $200,000 a year. And they've fallen for the same myth that so many of us have fallen for, that in order to be happy, I have to have more. But more doesn't make me happy. It just makes me want more. 
And I think this is where Solomon finally comes to this conclusion in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. This is our verse for today. And I want you to see what he says. In fact, it's going to be on the screen there for you today. And I want you to, I want you to say it out loud with me on the count of three. One, two, three. He says, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Here's what Solomon says. Hey, it would be better to have one, but to have tranquility, to have peace in your heart than to spend your whole life striving to get two, striving to have more, but have stress and have struggle and have strain and to be chasing after the wind, which you're never going to catch. And you're never going to never actually going to get to that place of satisfaction. He says, guys, it's better to have less with peace in your heart than to have more and constantly be striving for that thing that you're never going to catch anyway. In fact, it leads us to our key thought for today. It's on the screen there for you. Our key thought is this. It's better to have less of what doesn't matter so that we can have more of what does. Guys, it's better that we would have less of the things that don't really matter so that in turn we could have more of the things that really do. And the truth is for so many of us, we spend our whole lives chasing after these things that we think is going to satisfy us, but they're really things that in light of eternity aren't really going to matter at all. And we miss out on the things that really do matter because we're striving to get things that really don't. Some of you are here today and you're saying, I, I get your point there, Pastor. Like, that sounds good, but I don't know how to live this, this one handful kind of a life. I don't know how to live this less is better type of a life. What do I do? Well, let me just help you with it. I'm going to give you three things. Only three things today. Come on, right? Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to be short. Yeah, not really. Okay. <laughs> Number one, write this down. Here's what we're going to have to do. First thing you have to do, if you want to live a one handful life, if you're going to live a less is better type life, if you're going to live your life for the things that matter rather than the things that don't, you're going to have to identify. Everybody say identify. You're going to have to identify. You're going to have to start out by finding out what are the things that do matter. You have to look at your life and you're going to have to say, what are the things that really are important to me? What are, what are my priorities? In fact, I would challenge you to do this exercise today. When you get home today to pull out a piece of paper and just begin writing down, what are the things that really matter to me? Like, I want more of what really matters. So what are those things that, that really matter? Maybe you would write down, man, my relationship with God is what really matters. That ought to be what really matters. Maybe, maybe some of you would say, man, I, my family is what really matters to me. My marriage is what really matters to me. My children, knowing them and having relationship with them and them knowing God, that's what, that's what really matters to me. Some of you say, man, my church is what really matters to me. My, my life group and my friends in my life group are what really matter to me. Maybe some of you even say, man, making a difference for God and using my life to build the kingdom of God, that's what really matters to me. And you just begin to write down, what are the things that really matter to me? In fact, some of you are here today and you're like, well, I don't know. Like, I don't really know. I know what they should be. I don't know what they really are. Well, let me help you out with another exercise. Maybe you would even, as you sit down, just put yourself in this place and you'd say, what if I only had one month to live? What would be the things that would matter then? I know that sounds kind of morbid. I don't mean to be that way. But how many know when, when that happens in someone's life, suddenly there's a, there's a clarity about what's really important? Like when someone gets diagnosed with something and they say, hey, you've got... You got 60 days, you got 30 days, whatever, to live. Suddenly, it's crystal clear what really matters. In fact, I've been, I've been with people like that before as a pastor. I've been 
in times when people only had a few days or weeks to live. I've sat in hospitals with people who were in the last moments of their lives. And I can tell you in those moments, they're crystal clear about what matters. In fact, I've never had one of them say, man, I wish we would have just made more money. That's my biggest regret. I wish, I wish we'd have had a bigger house. I wish we'd have, we, I wish we'd have put those, mar, those marble countertops in. That was what's most important to me. Nobody ever said that. Nobody ever said, man, I, I should have had more, more Instagram followers, or I wish I'd have had a better high score on Candy Crush. Nobody ever said any of that stuff. But you know what they said? They said, man, I wish I would have spent more time with my kids. I wish I would have been a better dad. I wish I would have been a better husband. I wish I would have given more money to, to finance the kingdom of God. I wish I, would have, I wish I would have done a better job of leading my family to the Lord and my friends and my neighbors to the Lord. And so many times in that moment, we recognize, we identify the things that really matter the most, the things that are the most important. And if you're going to live for more of what matters and less of what doesn't, you've got to start by identifying. Number two, here's what you're going to have to do. After you have identified, here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to simplify. In fact, here's the deal. You ready for this, guys? I'm going to blow you away, but here's the deal. You can't do it all, and you can't have it all. So you have to decide which one's important and which one's not. Which one am I going to do? Which one am I going to have? And you have to decide. As you have identified the things that are important in your life, here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to simplify. And that means you're going to have to get rid of some things that are not as important. And sometimes those things might even be good things. And here's the deal, guys. you got to understand this. The enemy of great is not bad. The enemy of great is always good. It's the good things in our life that many times keep us from the better things, from the great things, from from the great things that God wants in our lives. And so many times what happens is we fill our lives so full of stuff that we would even call good things, and yet they keep us, they distract us, they weigh us down from the best things that God really wants for our lives. And we, we go, man, I got good stuff, but we're missing out on the best stuff. And in order to have the best stuff, in order to live this better life, then that means you're going to have to identify what's important and then I'm going to have to simplify my life around the things that that are really the most important. In fact, this is what the Hebrew writer was talking about in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Look what he says. He says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us do what? Everybody say these words. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out before us. The Hebrew writer says, Hey, you're going, to get, you're going to get distracted. You're going to get weighed down by all this stuff that you're carrying. So if you want to run a better race, here's what you've got to do. Some stuff, even some good stuff, you've got to throw it to the side because it's weighing you down and keeping you from the best stuff that God wants for you. Amen. You have to simplify. So how do I simplify? What do I do? Well, first thing I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to cut back. Everybody say cut back. Might have to cut back on some stuff. Because here's the thing. Here's what happens is, Many times, the more stuff we have, the more tendency we're going to have to be distracted by all of our stuff. Isn't it true? We think two's better than, you know, if I, if I could have two, that would be better than, than having one. But you know what? Two's not always better. You know why? Because, man, if I got two, you know what? I mean, think about it. If I got two cars, guess what I also got? Two car payments. <laughs> Guess what I also got? Two fan belts that can be broken. Guess what I also got? Two transmissions that can break down. Guess what I also got? I got two inspections that need to be done and two insurances that need to be paid. Come on, you see what I'm saying? I got two back seats that get these french fries underneath them, and I got to clean them out from the, from the kids. eating. You know what I'm saying? Like the more I've got, the more stuff I've got to take care of. 
right? And we think if I get more, then that will be the thing. But sometimes the more is actually the thing that distracts us from the best. And so we think, man, you know, if I, could, if I get that motorcycle, that will be the thing. But when you got a motorcycle, what do you got? New tires that need to go on the motorcycle. If I get the boat, then that, you know, that would be the thing. But then what do you got when you got the boat? You got to take care of the boat. You got to put gas in the boat. You got to winterize the boat when it comes wintertime. Come on. If I could get the lake house, but then you get the lake house, and what do you got to do? Mow the grass at the lake house and at your house. You know what I'm saying? And the more you get, the more, I mean, man, if my kids could just win the soccer tournament. Do it. And the more you get, the more stuff that's going on, the more it can destroy distract you from the things that really matter the most. And what do you do? You run around and I got all this stuff. So now I got, I got this lake house and this boat and I got this deer lease and I got this motorcycle and I got all this stuff. But then what do I got to do? I got to pay for all that stuff. So what does that mean? I got to work more hours, which means then I'm at home with the kids less and I have less time for my marriage and my kids don't even know what church is because I'm all around doing all this stuff and I'm missing out on the things that really matter the most because I'm chasing more. And sometimes what I got to understand is that More is not always better. At least not if it's more of the things that don't really matter. And if I want to have more of the things that matter, it might mean i got to have less of the things that don't matter. And that might mean I have to cut some stuff back, cut some stuff out. Because one day I'm going to stand before God. And when I stand before God, it's going to be crystal clear what mattered. Because he's going to look at me and say, man, I'm glad you made it to heaven. But now, now tell me what you did with your life. And there are going to be many of us that are going to look at him and say, well, you know what? Hey, we did a lot of soccer tournaments, and we went to the lake house a lot, and we had a lot of fun. But honestly, you know, my kids don't really even know what church is, and my, I didn't really lead my family spiritually. And the church was talking about giving to that fire Bible thing, but I had my money so tied up with other stuff, I couldn't even do that. And then they start talking about building a new building, giving towards that, and I couldn't do that for sure because I'm so tied up with all this other stuff. And we miss out on all the stuff that, that might really matter, not just here, but in eternity. We miss out on all that because we're doing the stuff we think matters now. And some of you are like, nah, I don't know about that, Pastor. You're pushing back because you're going, Pastor, are you telling me I can never have a lake house? <laughs> are you telling me I shouldn't have two cars? I'm not telling you you shouldn't have two cars or have a lake house or any of those. I got two cars. I'm glad I do because I got two teenage girls and I'm their taxi. You know what I'm saying? And I need it. But here's the deal. Is you have to understand, the more stuff you get, the more you're going to be easily distracted from the stuff that really matters. And so you got to make a decision. you got to decide, what do I want more? Do I want the stuff that matters or do I want the stuff that doesn't matter? And maybe I need to cut some stuff back that doesn't matter so that I can, so that I can attain some of the stuff that really does matter in my life. And I don't know what it is for you, but I know for me it comes down to two things. My spending and my schedule. How I spend my money and how I spend my time. And, you know, it, 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 what if we just modernized this verse a little bit? It might, it might read something a little bit more like this. Better is one handful with tranquility and financial margin than two handfuls with a financial noose around your neck. Maybe it'd say something like this. Better is one handful with money left over at the end of the month than two handfuls with a bunch of fights and worry and stress in our marriage over finances. Maybe you'd read something like this. Better is one season of soccer with tranquility and a few Saturdays a month for rest and Sundays at church with the family than soccer year-round with toil and stress and kids who don't even know God because we don't go to church, but they might, you know, be one in a 10,000 chance of getting a scholarship. Maybe you would read something like better is one hobby 
with tranquility and time for my wife and my family than hunting and golfing and fishing and every single weekend and the stress in my marriage and the kids that don't know me because I'm gone all the time. Maybe that's what it would read for some of us. If you want more of what matters, you're going to have to cut back on some of the things that don't matter. Number two, or letter, letter B, I guess it is, write this one down. It may mean that you don't just cut back. It may mean you need to turn off. Turn some stuff off. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a TV every once in a while. Maybe it's the computer every once in a while. Maybe it's Netflix every once in a while. How many know nobody ever changed the world binge-watching on Netflix, right? I'm just saying. And maybe it's our phone. I, I like what my friend Dave Milam said a few weeks ago when he came to speak. He, he called us the heads-down generation, the HD generation, head-down everywhere we go. And, man, how many times do we miss out on opportunities with our kids and with our family and with friends? And, I'm, man, I'm... I'm preaching to myself too, but how many times would it be better? How many times would we have the things that matter more if we would get rid of the things that matter less a little bit more in our lives? Maybe you need to not just cut back, maybe turn off, maybe you need to give away. This might be an idea. Maybe you just say, hey, what do I have that I could give? What do I have that I don't even need? Maybe you'd go into your closet and you'd say, you'd say what have I not worn in a year? And if I haven't worn it in a year, then I'm going to give it to somebody else, right? Maybe you'd say, man, if I get one, I'm going to give one. If I, you know, instead of trying to have two or three or five or ten, if I get one shirt, I'll give a shirt. You know, if I get one pair of pants, I'll give a pair of pants. If I get one pair of shoes, I'll give a pair of shoes. If I get one pair of underwear, I'm not going to give. I'm not going to give. I'm we won't do that, okay? But you would say, you would say, hey, maybe there's some areas I need to cut back or give away or turn off so that I can focus my life on the things that matter most. It's better to have more of what matters than to have more of what doesn't matter. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to identify. I'm going to simplify. Number three, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to identify. I mean, I'm going to have to fortify. Excuse me. Sorry. I'm not to fortify. Here's the deal. What, what does this word fortify mean? It actually means to strengthen so as to protect against attack. Here's the deal, guys. You've got to understand that if you're going to live this kind of life, it's going to be a fight. Because everything in culture is telling you to live the opposite of this kind of life. And so you know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to fortify in your heart, in your spirit, this is the kind of life that I'm going to live. It's going, it's going to be a fight, a fight to say, hey, I'm living for the things that matter. In fact, this is what Paul was talking to Timothy about in Timothy, 1 Timothy 6 and verse 16. Look what he says. He says, fight the good fight for the true faith. And then look what he says. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you. Paul says, here's what you're going to do is that everything in this world is going to be drawing you away from living for the things that are truly eternal. And you're going to have to fight a fight. You're going to have to determine in your heart that you're going to hold tightly to the things that really matter, the things that are eternal. And it's not going to be easy because everything in this life is going to draw you away from it. So you got to fortify in your heart and in your spirit that I'm going to live this life and I'm going to fight for it and I'm going to protect it no matter what. It reminds me of the story of a guy in the Old Testament, a guy by the name of Nehemiah. Nehemiah decided to live his life for the things that matter. He, he left a good job to go and do what God had called him to do to rebuild the walls of the city of Jerusalem that had been, that had been in ruin for years and years and years. And as he got there, man, it wasn't easy because how many know living this kind of life and doing what God called you to do, it ain't easy. In fact, to the point where it was such a fight that the Bible says that Nehemiah and his men, as they were rebuilding the walls, they had a hammer in one hand and a sword in the other hand. And I'm telling you guys, if you're going to live this kind of life, there's going 
going to be some times when, hey, over here, I'm building my marriage. I'm building my relationship with God. I'm building it. But I'm also fighting all the outside distractions that are come. I've got a, I've got a hammer in one hand and a sword in another because it's going to be a fight. So Nehemiah is up on the wall. And as he's up there building the wall, two of his enemies that are trying to come against him don't want it to happen. They come against him and they call him down and they say, come down and let's have a meeting. And Nehemiah recognizes what's really going on, that what they really want to do is distract him and keep him from building the wall. And he says these words in Nehemiah 6 verse 12. He says, I'm doing a great work. So I cannot come down. Why should I, the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? And here's the deal. Some of you guys, you're going to have to say the same thing. That you're, you're, I mean, I'm building, the, I'm building a family that loves God, and I cannot come down. Man, I'm building a marriage that God wants us to have, and I cannot be distracted. Man, I'm giving towards things that are eternal, and I cannot come down. Man, I'm building a life group so that people can experience freedom in God, and I cannot come down. Man, we're doing things that, that really matter, and I cannot be distracted by the things that do not matter. So I'm going to stand with a sword in one hand and a, and a hammer in the other hand, and I am not going to get distracted from what God has called me to do and be because I would rather so much more have the things that matter, more of the things that matter, even if it means less of the things that don't really matter. And I can tell you, man, I'm not perfect in this area. Man, I miss it so many times, but we have strived over our lives to say, man, we want to live our lives for the things that matter. And sometimes that means, man, less of the things that don't. Sometimes that means, man, we don't We don't do everything that everybody else is doing. We don't spend our money the way everybody else is spending them. We don't don't do what the world says to do because in the end, the world will lead us away from the things that are most important because one day I want to stand before God and I want him to be able to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You weren't perfect, but you lived your life for the things that that really mattered for all of eternity. Because let me just tell you guys, man, it's better. It's better to have one handful with peace and tranquility and less stress than it is to spend your whole life striving for another handful to get stuff that's really not going to satisfy you anyway, chasing after the wind. And so many people, that's how they're living. They're chasing after this thing, chasing after the wind that's never really going to satisfy us anyway. And it's better, it's better to have one handful with that peace in your heart. And you know why it's better to have one handful? Because, man, when you got one handful, guess what happens? you got a free hand to help somebody else when they have a need. you got a free arm to put around someone who needs encouragement. you got some free time to go and help somebody that has a need. you got some free margin in your, in your finances to be able to give when the opportunity comes to be able to give. And when you live this one handful life, you, you have less of the things that don't matter, but you can have more of the things that really matter.